0: And abundant. Well, everywhere is war. This your war. And until there's no longer first class nor second class citizens of any nation, until the color of a man's skin is of no more significance to the color of his eyes, I've got to say war. Until the basic human rights are equally guaranteed to all without regard to race, this your war. until that day, the dream of lasting peace, world citizenship, and the rule of international morality will remain but a fleeting illusion to be pursued. But never attain. Well, everywhere is war. This your war. South Africa, yeah, so human bondage, yeah, has been doubled hotel downstroy well everywhere is war this War.
1: Welcome back, David Penn here, the Professor Penn Podcast, episode 93 where we're going to discuss what's good for America. Started out there with uh, Bob Marley again. We played that on a very recent episode. I played it again. I'll tell you why I played it. I like it. I think that's Bob Marley at his very best. His voice is full-throated. He's, he's centered. He's healthy. You know, not that many years later, he died of uh, a terrible disease, and that was very difficult for me at the time because... I remember him as this flaming pillar of uh, truth, and it was just so hard to watch him uh, pass. I was alive. Some of you were not. Uh, didn't make any sense. And, of course, there's a conspiracy theory about that too. But, uh, you know, he he passed, and he left us this great body of work, which we can play here because his estate, his heirs, have decided that the dissemination of the ideas that Marley was concerned with, that the dissemination of those ideas, that's more important than profiting from his art. Now that is sacred honor. And his sacred honor was so great, it was passed on to his children and to his children's children. This is something to really contemplate. want to thank Free People Radio for giving us this forum, The Search for Truth. What is Free People Radio? We don't say we know the truth. We say we're searching for truth together. I want to thank you for joining, for coming back. I hope you're well. I hope you're contemplating participation in politics, because without your participation, without self-governance, this country is lost. We cannot depend on our politicians. It's very evident to me, maybe to you too, that we are confronted with an endless pool of narcissists and self-serving double dealers who are more than willing to step up and act, act as if they represent we the people. But when they get there, for some reason, they forget about it very quickly. And the same business model of slavery, drugs, and piracy just gets perpetuated and perpetuated. In fact, it's perpetuating so boldly now that if you look on X or if you look on Media, you're going to find people actually posting that our excuse me, that our empire, our empire, brings about our financial prosperity. And that is uh, horrifying to say that we're running a worldwide empire so we can be rich. That'd make us like the British, right? Running an empire with slavery, drugs, and piracy at its base so that the citizens can prosper. That's why we play that song, because that is the definition of as long as the theory that holds one race superior and another inferior, we're going to have war. And in fact, what our political masters have done is they have figured out a way to regulate this process So that war becomes like cigarettes, something that's bad for us, but that people can profit from. That's where I live, and that makes me angry, anger. That's righteous indignation. We, I, my children, my family, I do not want the people I love to stand on an edifice that is based on One race is superior and another is inferior. In this case, this current case, it's the post-World War II Democrat liberal order, which has erected itself as superior and all others being inferior. And as long as one race holds itself superior and another inferior, everywhere is war. War in the East, war in the West, war up North and war down South. Well, what do we got? We got a war in the Ukraine, that's in the West. We got a war in the Middle East, in the east. We got a war up north getting ready to happen. Take a look at what's happened with Finland and Sweden, joining NATO. You know, Finland was part of the Russian Empire until 1917. So there's a historic conflict right there getting ready to pop up. And down south, down south there's war. We're gonna get into that later on this month for sure. What's going on down south in Africa? War. Everywhere is war. And what I find myself needing to do under those circumstances and for the many new people that are coming in and they go, oh, Professor Penn is a lefty. Yes, I am. I'm left, I'm right. I'm liberal and I'm conservative. Why? Because these labels are meant to divide us. I am about transcending these labels and creating a new politics for the United States of America that is dedicated to one idea, the well-being of every American citizen. That's right, the concept of well-being, the creation of a well-being culture that takes over and supplants the culture of slavery, drugs, and piracy where I live today. I don't like that. I don't like living in a world that is dominated by a really evil ideology. Slavery, drugs, and piracy. Well, we call it debt slavery now. But I'm going to tell you, we got people. I ran into a situation myself this week where an immigrant person had married an American citizen to get a green card. And it came to my attention that this immigrant person's husband was not allowing this woman to get a green card and that he was slaving her out in his business, making her work like a slave. And she's trapped. She has no money. She doesn't speak the language. She's trapped unless she goes to law enforcement. And, of course, she's terrified of law enforcement. So we have slavery functioning right now in the United States of America. I saw it myself. I am righteously indignant, and I've appealed to the people around this to let me intervene. And if they let me, I will. And here's what they said. If you intervene, you're going to put her life at risk. You don't know what her husband's going to do to her. You must keep it a secret. And isn't this how abuse happens? In secret? That's why I pray. If you're a lefty, a righty, I'm not being a downy. I pray because I believe. You don't have to believe to pray. Praying gratefulness and thanksgiving is a quality state of mind. Whether you believe in a creator or not, being grateful and thankful has a positive psychological and biophysiological effect on the human body. So let's give it a whirl. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for creating the light and the dark. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for creating me in your image. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds, thank you for making me an American. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds, thank you for making me free. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds, thank you for healing the blind. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds, thank you for feeding the people. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds, thank you for releasing the bound. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds, Thank you for raising up the downtrodden. Blessed are you, God and King of All Worlds. Thank you for creating the heavens and earth. Blessed are you, God and King of All Worlds. Thank you for providing for all my needs. Blessed are you, God and King of All Worlds. Thank you for directing my path. Blessed are you, God and King of All Worlds. Thank you for our American courage. Blessed are you, God and King of All Worlds. Thank you for crowning America with glory. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds, thank you for restoring strength to the weary. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds, thank you for sending your only Son to die on the cross, that I might be saved. Forgive me, my Father, for I have sinned. Pardon me, my King, for I have willfully transgressed, for you pardon and forgive. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds, who is gracious and ever willing to forgive. If you're new and you are not a believer, that's okay. I don't seek a religious theocracy. I seek the wisdom and truth of the ages. There are groups, educated men and women, professors that live in the dirty dozen of our most esteemed intellectual institutions, the Harvards, the Yales, the Princeton's, the Columbia's, the Stanford's, the MIT's, that are dedicated to a Darwinist view of the world that expunges the wisdom that was associated with faith. Of course, I'm coming about this personally from a place of faith, but I'm sharing wisdom that is wise irrespective of faith. It is wise irrespective of faith. So let us look back at the documents that underlie how we think that we might learn from them. And one of the things I was thinking about this week was about wealth and material blessing because so much of what uh, is being said on Acts and in media about the empire, about the maintenance of the transatlantic alliance known as NATO, these people are bold. They're saying our prosperity, my prosperity is based on a military architecture. This I do not like. So I looked back and I I looked up, well, what are some of the other ideas of material blessing? And let me read some of them to you. This is in Genesis, a book that was expunged with Darwin. Now the Lord said to Abram, that was Abraham's name before he became Abraham, Abram. Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him that curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Well, if we take that out of its religious context, we did have a father back there somewhere And we certainly live in a lot of material blessing. So at some point, somebody came up with an idea that proliferated throughout the entire world, and it feeds the people as best as it can. And if you look at it within a religious context, what it's saying is, I am blessed because of the blessing that God bestowed upon Abraham. I like that myself personally. Something to think about. But things go to hell in a handbasket very quickly. This is from Isaiah. His watchmen are blind. They are all ignorant. They are all dumb dogs. They cannot bark, sleeping, lying down, loving to slumber. Yes, they are greedy dogs, which never have enough. And they are shepherds who cannot understand. They all look to their own way, everyone for his own game, From his own territory. Come, one says, I will bring the wine and we will fill ourselves with intoxicating drink. Tomorrow will be as today and much more abundant. So, if you're a leftist and you think the corporations are greedy and that's why we have inflation, which is a completely different conversation, but if you see greed as being a negative influence on the life of the people, hey, You didn't make up the idea. It's in Isaiah 56, 10 through 12. You might want to look where some of these ideas actually came from. And it was in Revelation. Listen to this one. Because you say, I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and you do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Is that not what we're talking about on the left? that wealth, self-interest, and narcissism is a curse upon the community. But these ideas are in the quote-unquote Holy Bible. Let us know where our ideas come. Let us learn together where our ideas come from such that we might be more informed, that we might become educated men and women, not followers of people, not followers of ideology, but self-governing, sentient human beings that pursue good outcomes for the community because that's good for me. What's good for the community is good for me. A culture of well-being for the people. Well-being. And let me just share with you how baked into the cake this is. If any of us are, you know, Christ deniers, listen to this one. This is Jesus Christ speaking in Matthew. 6th Chapter 25-33 through Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap, nor gather into barns, Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to their stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. that you need all these things, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added on to you. This is a very, very important scripture to me, because I recognize I don't think about where my next dollar is coming from. I don't think of such things. I am completely focused on following the path. If the path brings me to riches, that's a blessing that I will receive. If the path brings me to poverty, that's a blessing that I will receive. I'm accepting and thankful and grateful. And this is a health-producing, well-being-producing frame of mind. Something to consider. I want to read something that I, I tried to read last time and I didn't do a very good job of it. And I'm going to practice it over and over again Because the ideas contained herein are so powerful for this moment in American history. And this thing is written, you know, in the 1700s. How can ideas written in 1776 still be relevant in 2024? After all, we just watched the Super Bowl. It was great, all that entertainment, media, digital media, technology. Yet the ideas, the ideas that were scribed down pen to paper when people traveled by horseback are just as relevant today as they were hundreds of years ago. Well, let me just submit to you, part of the reason for that is our understanding of history is progressive. We have a progressive understanding of history, which means things go down the memory hole never to be studied again. This is a great one. This was an essay written by uh, John Dickinson about the time of the founding of our country. Honor, justice, and humanity call upon us to hold and transmit to our posterity that liberty which we received from our ancestors. It is not our duty to leave wealth to our children, But it is our duty to leave liberty to them. No infamy, inequity, or cruelty can exceed our own if we, born and educated in a country of freedom, entitled to its blessings and knowing their value, pusillanimously, deserting the post assigned us by divine providence, surrender succeeding generations... To a condition of wretchedness from which no human efforts, in all probability, will be sufficient to extricate them. The experience of all states mournfully demonstrating to us that when arbitrary power has been established over them, even the wisest and bravest nations that have ever flourished, in a few years, degenerated into abject and wretched vassals. And let me just Focus on a couple of words here, which one might want to look up, and some of them are hard to pronounce. Which, um, stay with me on this one. Here's a great word: pusillanimously, which means lacking in courage, and it's my belief that the word pussy comes from pusillanimously, lacking in courage. So if we're a pussy, deserting the post assigned to us by God, surrendering succeeding generations to a condition of wretchedness, that means we have no courage. That doesn't mean not being afraid. I'm afraid, but courage is the ability, the quality to function when we are afraid, and all of us struggle with our fears. Let us develop our courage that we, not, that we might not consign our children to becoming vassals. And what is a vassal? A vassal is a feudalistic construction where one pays tribute to an outside force which is arbitrary and has power over us. We do not want to become vassals. We want to be self-governing. And how do we become self-governing? By self-governing in any way, shape, or form that you can think up. Politics is one. How you make your money is another. How you maintain your health is a third. In fact, I think it's infinite. Art. How you do your art. You know, I watched over the weekend. It was the uh, Chinese New Year's. The Year of the Dragon was ushered in this past week. And they have a thing in China that they've been doing for decades. It's the gala show. It's their version of the Super Bowl. You know, we all gathered for the Super Bowl. Hundreds of millions of American citizens sat and we gathered, and we had our one communal event, such as it is. We're not going to criticize the Super Bowl tonight, but such as it is. You know, with the F-16s flying over and all the military advertising and all the ads, all the, you know, the uh, commercial uh, vending. You know, we've got the temple, and we've got all the money changers set up, and nobody comes and turns over those tables. But in China, they have their gala show, and guess what? It's four straight hours without a commercial. They don't sell anything they celebrate being Chinese. And what I recognized watching their show, when I talk about self-governance and art, I could tell as an artist that there's a lot of freedom in China, that the artists know what the rules are. And within the context of those rules, their art is breathtaking. So I urge all of you to go to YouTube and find the You're the Dragon, the Chinese gala show, and look at the colors and the lights and the dancing and the music, the quality of the performance, the creativity, and then juxtapose that with, oh, let's see who, uh, Taylor Swift. Just juxtapose those two artistic expressions, and you'll understand why Professor Penn says, Oh, how the mighty have fallen. And we continue to fall. What's the news? What's the news? News of the day, the news that matters. Well, believe it or not, there is a peace effort underway in the Middle East. Yes, our government, the government of the United States, the government of We the People, is working round the clock to bring an end to the war in the Gaza, or as some people might say, the genocide in the Gaza. Okay, what street corner do you want to stand on we got four street corners. Actually, we got a circle, and everybody's got a position, and everybody sees it in their own unique way. But our government, our government, we the people, we are pushing, struggling, exhorting, trying to bring about peace to end this war, lest it spiral into a regional conflict, possibly derailing the efforts of the Biden administration to get another four years. I don't really know, I'm not convinced in my heart, that they really care about the Gazans or the Israelis. Because if they really wanted to bring an end to the war, you know how they'd do it? They'd just cut off the money and the war would end. Just cut it off. You know, if the money stopped, if there was no more weapons, hey, you know the war might continue, but how many people can you kill with sticks and stones, okay? If we just cut off those really modern weapons, let's say we sent them out with swords, And knives. It cut down on the killing quite considerably, quite considerably. But we're having this effort, this effort to to end the war. And uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, the prime minister of Israel, called Hamas's demands delusional and promptly started the next phase of the war, which is an attack on the southern Gazan city of Rafah, where some million and a half Palestinians have fled to escape the war in the northern Gaza, and the bombing has started in Rafah just this last evening. This is the morning of Monday, the 12th of February. This show is going to post up 7.30 Central Standard Time on Tuesday the 13th. So the war is continuing in spite of our diplomatic efforts. And as I said, if we just cut off the money, Maybe the war would stop. But you know what? That hasn't happened. Mr. Producer, could you please put up number two? Let's listen to number two.
2: We're at a turning point in America. This bill is crucial, and history will look back on it and say, did America fail itself? Why is it crucial? Well, if we don't aid uh, Ukraine, Putin will be, walk all over Ukraine. We will lose the war, and we could be fighting in Eastern Europe in a NATO ally in a few years. Americans won't like that. If we don't help Israel defend itself against Hamas, that perpetual war will go on and on and on. If we don't help humanitarian aid to the starving Palestinians in Gaza, hundreds of thousands could starve. And the border, everyone has said it's chaos. A speaker, you just saw Speaker Johnson, he said it's Mm -hmm. chaos. We have to do something legislative a few months ago. But what has happened, in answer to your question, So this is crucial for America. It's a turning point. History is going to look over our shoulders and say, did we rise to the occasion? To his credit, Mitch McConnell did. But too many Republicans, including Speaker Johnson, are just scared to death of Donald Trump. Donald Trump has said he wants chaos. Donald Trump has said, well, wait till I become president. That'll take at least a year. Ukraine could be gone. The border will get much worse. War in the Middle East will get worse, maybe bringing bringing us into it. He's doing it all for political reasons. And let me just say, will senators, the crucial question, the $64,000 question, the majority of Republican senators know this bill is the right thing to do. It's a compromise. I don't like everything in it. Neither does McConnell. But it's a compromise. That's the only way you get things important done in the Senate. We proved that two years ago in our bipartisan legislation. And will the senators drown out the political noise from Trump and his minions and do the Mm -hmm. right thing for America? It's a crucial question. History is looking down on every one of us right now.
1: Oh, yes. History is looking down on every one of us right now. Yes, I agree. And of course... uh, Trump and his minions, that's all political. There's nothing political in what Chuck Schumer is doing. No politics in that. They're coming about this from a purely human-centered well-being perspective. $118 billion to fund three wars. That's so good for the people. Now, of course, I have a political perspective, and my perspective is well-being. So, you know, Senator Schumer, screw you and the horse you rode in on, okay? Because what you're selling here is death. And if we really wanted these wars to end, we just cut the money off. They'd have to throw rocks at each other. That would cut down on the violence and the killing quite a bit. Quite a bit. And while Senator Schumer is funding these wars, the one that he's really concerned about right now is the Ukraine, because, you know, the Ukrainians are losing. And if they don't get propped up, toot sweet, the Russians are going to bring an end to that war. President, former Russian president, former Russian President Dmitry Medvedev has warned that if war breaks out in Europe between NATO and Russia, because Russia is undergunned in that circumstance, the only option for the Russians will be to use nuclear weapons and usher in the apocalypse. So yeah, is it saber rattling? Yes, it is. But what we're really doing is we're going up the escalation ladder towards nuclear war. And, of course, the psychopaths that run our country, and they are psychopathic because, hey, you know, if you're playing with nuclear weapons, by definition you're a psychopath, right? Going all the way back to Robert Oppenheimer and the Republican-Democratic cabal that brought about the Manhattan Project during World War II. These people are out of their minds. This is called science without faith. Science and research without boundary. There is no spiritual boundary amongst these people. If they discover it, it must be good. Hence, we live in a world today where nuclear armed powers are threatening each other with nuclear destruction. Great. Isn't that great? Doesn't that make you feel good? You know, when I woke up this morning, I felt anxiety. I wonder why. Because that would be because people are threatening to kill me in a most unpleasant way. And in the meantime, our government, what are we doing? We're clipping out people. The Biden administration is clipping out people by drone, the same as the Obama administration did, the same as the Trump administration did. There must be something really thrilling to sit down in that situation room with a cup of coffee and a Danish and turn on the screen and watch a video feed, and here comes the car, and then you see that bomb get released, and boom, it blows it up. You must feel like you are potent as hell when you kill somebody like that. must make you feel powerful, right, President Biden, or the rest of you punks that sit there and kill people remotely? Oh, yes, I understand. It's all about technology, superior technology. I get it. But do we really feel powerful killing people in video games? Is that really power? Is that really power, or is it perversion? And I'm paying for it. I am self-governing. I don't want to pay for this. I want to make it very clear, if you're new, I am against the British business model of slavery, drugs, and piracy, piracy being the military part, the part where some guy sits in a quonset hut or in a 40-foot trailer filled with technological equipment and kills people from 8,000 miles away without risking his own life. And everybody pats themselves on the back and goes home. And these people are mangled corpses. There's still death. It's just remote death. And let me tell you, he who liveth by the sword will dieth by the sword so for you who are watching if we think we're going to get away with this shit forever we're dreaming and that's why we can bring it to an end through self-governance by going to our caucuses like for example in Minnesota February 27th every Minnesota citizen has the opportunity to self-govern you go you become a delegate you get a vote and you determine the future of this country. You know, I was at this party over the weekend, and uh, there was six American citizens there. I was sitting with six men, about my age. Everybody was about the same age. It was a party, so I didn't bring up politics, but they did, not me. They didn't even know I was involved in politics. I went there as a civilian, and they started complaining. They started complaining about gay people. They started complaining about Trump. They're complaining. And I asked a simple question. Do any of you plan on going to caucus on February 27th? And they looked at me like I was speaking a foreign language. You know, caucus. No, we don't know. Well, let me tell you. And I explained it to them. I got very intense with them, and here's what I said to them. You know, if you're going to sit here and complain and not go to caucus and self-govern, I don't want to hear it because you're pussies. I don't know if you're going to uh, beep that out or not. And I don't mean that in a scatological, anti-female way. I mean it in a scatological, anti-male way. Because what kind of person, man or woman, complains without taking action? I just said to them, take action, take action. And I know that the chances of them even remembering that February 27th is their opportunity to self-govern is very small. And that's why I say, oh, how we have fallen. Oh, how we have fallen. In the meantime, in the meantime, back at the farm in the Middle East, where the ass has fallen off the donkey, the start of this current drama was Hamas and Hezbollah and the Iranians cooperating to make sure that a impending Saudi-Israel peace process, a normalization process, would be derailed. And they have succeeded because since I saw you last, the Saudi Foreign Ministry has issued the following statement regarding discussions between the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia and the United States of America on the Arab-Israeli peace process in light of what has been attributed to the U.S. National Security Spokesperson The Ministry of Foreign Affairs affirms, this is the Saudi Ministry, affirms that the position of the kingdom of Saudi Arabia has always been steadfast on the Palestinian issue and the necessity that the brotherly Palestinian people obtain their legitimate rights. The kingdom has communicated its firm position to the U.S. administration that there will be no diplomatic relations with Israel unless an independent Palestinian state is recognized on the 1967 borders with East Jerusalem as its capital, and that the Israeli aggression on the Gaza Strip stops and all Israeli occupation forces withdraw from the Gaza Strip. The kingdom reiterates its call to the permanent members of the U.N. Security Council that have recognized that recognition of the Palestinian state on the 1967 borders with East Jerusalem as its capital so that the Palestinian people can obtain their legitimate rights and so that a comprehensive and just peace is achieved for all. Well, Iran has achieved its war aims. Now, let's see where we go. You know, all this stuff is related. It's all related. Things can seem very unrelated, like I'm going to talk about Douglas Holtz Eakin. A hyphenated name. In fact, let's play number three. Let's play number three.
2: How can we get better economic growth and reduce the budget deficit? Ten years ago, the Senate passed the Border Security, Economic Opportunity, and Immigration Modernization Act. Yes, it raised the labor force by three and a half percent over ten years, but we got an additional two point nine trillion in GDP. The CBO estimated it would produce twenty six million more jobs and budget deficits we down by 300 billion dollars. That's something we should consider in looking for program policies.
1: Douglas Holtz Eakin is an American economist. He is formerly an economics professor at Syracuse University. He was the director of the Congressional Budget Office and a chief, chief economic policy advisor to the departed Senator John McCain during his 2008 presidential campaign. He's a senior staff economist at the George H.W. Bush Council of Economic Advisors. From 86 to 2001 he served as, a, served as a faculty research fellow and research assistant associate at the National Bureau of Economic Research. This man is a product of the dirty dozen. He got his degree, let me think. I think he got it from Princeton if I don't if I'm not mistaken, his PhD? Yes. PhD in economics from Princeton University in 1985. You know, this guy is a a product of the Dirty Dozen. When we say the Dirty Dozen, we're talking about our elite academic institutions which are thoroughly penetrated by the British business model of Darwinism and slavery, drugs, and piracy. That's where he learned his economics. And what he was saying was, hey, unrestricted immigration is good because we make money from it. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? Isn't that great? We can profit from the plight of these poor people that are coming across the border, depressing wages, creating a slave underclass, which, you know, the people have to buy soap. they got to buy food. You know, our biggest corporations can profit from these people's suffering. It's more people for the slavery, drugs, and piracy business model, more debt slaves to exploit. Isn't that great? What a great guy. I just want to say on a sidebar, I've been watching this guy for a long time. He is the first man of my generation that I ran across that had a hyphenated last name. And when I ran across it for the first time, which is a long damn time ago in the late 80s, Holtz Eakin, I thought to myself, what kind of formation, a name is that? I don't get it. Well, It's very prominent now. Many men hyphenate their last names in respect to their spouses, to their partners, their genderless partners. What are you shaking your head for? My producer wants to have an opinion. He's going to get one. We're going to bring him on here soon. Shaking his head. He's pissed off. No, I'm just saying this has become in vogue. This is the first man that I saw who took a hyphenated last name And he's a man that got his Ph.D. from Princeton University and believed that unrestricted immigration is good for our country. Where do these ideas come from? Where do these ideas come from? And why are they so prevalent? Well, let me tell you why. Because the people that go to the Dirty Dozen show up and govern the country while we watch football and buy pizza and drink beer. Isn't that great? Our self-governance is involved with what kind of pizza do I order today? What kind of beer should I buy? So while we're making those decisions, they're making the decisions about how many illegal immigrants they're going to let in the country. Isn't that fantastic? Let's play number four. Well, we're going to have a Burger King commercial here because we're going to be watching MSNBC. See? What kind of Burger King do you want? This is your self-governance. Let's play it, please.
3: Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer says the text of the bipartisan bill on the border likely will be released before the end of the weekend. He also called the Senate back into session on Monday, which likely sets up the first votes on that bill for Wednesday. This comes as many Republicans have been publicly trashing the bill, despite, of course, not having read any of its text because it's not available yet. Here is Republican Congressman Troy Nails of Texas.
2: Why would we do anything right now to help him with that 33%? Do you believe if Joe Biden's approval rating was at 53%, we would even be talking about the border?
1: We won't be talking about
2: the southern border. But he has to
1: We're going to go back to exactly that spot, right? Okay. What I liked about the representative was... He was sitting there talking, smoking a cigar. I thought that was cool. The guy's free, but they're gonna make fun of him now. Please continue.
2: They come up with some border security plan, bipartisan through the Senate, that is nothing but hogwash.
3: Uh, The the height of stupidity is having a strong opinion on something you know nothing about. So I don't have a strong opinion on the bill because I haven't seen it. Nobody has. I'm extremely disappointed in the very strange maneuvering by many on the right to, to, to torpedo a uh, potential border reform bill that's that's what we all ran on doing maybe they think that securing the border would help biden politically which of course it would but i want to secure the border that's what i told my voters i would do so there are some who believe that and they're making it seem like the rest of us um are, are against the bill but that's just not true because we haven't even seen it we haven't even seen the deal so everybody needs to just take a step back and let
4: the text come out this this wasn't biden's bill that um. that Toy Nails should know that Biden didn't write this. It was like one of the most conservative Republicans in the Senate, the Oklahoma Senator. James Langsford. Yeah.
1: So now we have a new idea coming forward that's going to come out of Free People Radio in the search for truth. For those of us that are, quote unquote, conservative, call yourself a liberal. Because there's no difference. Yes, I'm saying it. You heard it here first. Conservative is now officially, to Professor Penn, the same thing as a liberal. Because they're telling you right here, Rep. Senator Langford of Oklahoma, the reddest of red states. In fact, in the last election, presidential, when President Biden beat President Trump, Every single county in Oklahoma voted for President Trump. There was not one county in the entire state that was blue. That's red, right? And what did they produce? Senator Langford. Now, this bill has since been released. And what does it do? Well, they're going to focus this all on Trump, as we're going to hear. Trump and his minions. Trump, 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 Trump. Let's not ever look at the ideas in the bill And here's what the bill actually does. It memorializes the illegal entry of almost 2 million people a year and funds all the non-governmental organizations that are at the border ushering in this invasion. 2 million? 2 million people get to come in illegally. Legally. They get to come in illegally, now legally, if this bill passes. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? Because now we know what's in the bill. But they're going to blame it on Trump. They're going to blame it on Trump and his minions and his purient political purposes. Please continue.
3: I don't think they realize it, but they're unintentionally smearing James Lankford. This is his bill with Chris Murphy. They got together. The text isn't available. They don't actually know what's in it. And usually... Back in your day in Congress, Joe, the stuff they say out loud, which is we can't introduce legislation that would help the American people and solve the crisis at the border, or at least make it better, because we don't want this guy to win, was usually subtext, maybe whispered in right. rooms, but you don't just come-
1: Stop it again. Total scam, scamming in the extreme. This is the extremes. First of all, they don't give a shit about the border. It's about getting the money for the Ukraine, which they've given up on the border thing, they're just running a Ukraine bill right up our you-know-what, okay? And that Ukraine funding bill, which also funds Israel and Taiwan, that bill is already progressing nicely through the Senate, and it's going to pass the Senate, and then we're going to find out what's going to happen in the House. Let's see if these people have stones or they're pusillanimous. can't even say it. That's why we shorten the word to pussy. It had nothing to do with women. It had to do with a lack of courage, a lack of courage. Many women have far more courage than a lot of the men that I know. and That's cool. Women, stand up for the well-being of your community. Stand up for the well-being of the people. We need you. I need you right at my right side and my left side. I'll stand there with anybody that's got the courage to go to the Fed and stand in the cold with a sign that says, Give Peace a Chance, Okay. Come on, let's get out there and let's get in the streets. Susan, thank you so much. Susan, one of my favorite listeners and viewers. Let's get in the streets, Susan. Fantastic. But what they're doing here is they're just giving us a cover story. They're giving us a cover story. They're saying that it's about the bill for the border and nobody's reading the bill and it's about conservatives and liberals working together for bipartisanship when in reality what they're doing is putting a bandage over a chest wound, memorializing illegal immigration, just to get to the cash for the war. And here's my theory of the case. The cash for the war is a cover story because the state is going to fund this war whether the Congress votes for the appropriation or not. And why do I know that? Because they just edited the audited, audited the Pentagon and they expected there to be $4 trillion of weapons in stock and $2 trillion of weapons had disappeared. So this funding thing is what I would call a diversion. Let's continue.
4: It would be whispered in rooms but people would be Mm -hmm. grousing, going, oh, what are we going to do, help Bill Clinton? And then you know what? A bill would go on the floor and would vote for it because it was good for America. And yeah, maybe it helped Bill Clinton. It also helped America. Like, you know, crazy things happen. I mean, you, you, again, I've said it before, but you have Republicans that hated Clinton, Clinton who hated us. But everybody said, okay, well, here, here's our good bill. Veto it. Here's this. And you, you know, balance the budget, Mike, four years in a row at welfare reform that worked really well. You, 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 you know, balance the budget four years in a row for the first time in a hundred years. Uh, the economy grew. A lot of great things happened. And guess what? Yeah. Bill Clinton got it. You got credit for it. Republicans in the House got credit for it. And America was better for it. You're, you're talking about literally a different era, even though it no. was maybe
1: five years ago, six years ago, 10 years ago. A complete. Yes, Mike Barnacle, it's a completely different era. Yes, it is. We're talking about the 90s. There were people on street corners saying, repent, the end is near. We just weren't listening. Because the high was so good, everybody was making money, and the chicks were free. So nobody was really paying attention. We started paying attention in the early 2000s when President Bush took us to war in the Middle East to suppress Saddam Hussein and weapons of mass destruction, which they had a hard time coming up with. People started to say, what the hell is this? And who was out in the streets fighting? Code Pink, the left. We're opposing this war at every street corner by every university and every college in the country. Where are you today, Code Pink? Where'd you go? I'm driving by Macalester College in St. Paul. There's no protests of the war today. So apparently your protest of war was situational. Some war is good, some war is bad. No, all war is bad unless they're coming across my border and threatening my family. I'm all about peace and talking, unless you put glove on me, put glove on me, that's self-defense. War is about self-defense, not about maintaining the empire. Let's continue, please. Listen to people like Troy Nails and others in the Republican
4: House especially, and you wonder, what do they tell their voters when they run for office? I want to help you. I'm looking toward the future. I want to see what we can do to make your life easier.
1: Or... Do they articulate what they're doing now? We're gonna to go to Stop Washington again. to obstruct anything. You see how you see how backwards this is, Mike Barnacle? What do they tell their voters? I don't give a damn what these people tell me. I care what I want to tell them. They represent me. We will tell them that we want to bring an end to the British business model of slavery, drugs, and piracy. We will tell them we want a politics of well-being. We will tell them that we want a community of Americans that are brought together in harmony based on our founding ideas. We will tell our representatives. And if we self-govern and we show up in sufficient numbers, they will do our will instead of crapping all over us. Please continue. Thing that might improve this nation, we, to right. improve your lives, to
4: improve the border, whatever it is. Why? Because the other guy might win. And by the way, Dan Crenshaw, that's the guy who, when he goes home, he can say, hey, I don't care if it helps Biden. I promise you I was going to do this. That's it. I'm going to do it. And that's, you know, that's the right thing to do. That's what gets people at the, the Reagan-Lincoln dinner standing on their feet going, hell yeah, he's Stop fighting for us.
1: Let me just share with you, because I'm going to. I'm going to bet most of you have no idea what the Lincoln-Reagan dinner is. First of all, if you're noticing, this is Morning Joe. It's on every morning, Central Time from 6 till 9. You can extrapolate to your locality. I recommend you watch it. It's quite highbrow. It's not for dummies like Professor Penn. It's for the educated. It's for the graduates of the Dirty Dozen. So they all get their marching papers. This is where they come and debate the Council on Foreign Relations come, the Ph.D. graduates of all these horrifying universities and colleges come, and they debate and they present, and this is where the sausage is ground, where they put the poison in for we the people. So watch it. It's a very interesting thing to watch. We must know what these graduates of the Dirty Dozen are actually thinking and saying to us. Please continue. Oh, the Lincoln-Reagan dinner. Hang on. I missed it. For those of you who have, do not know what this is, the Lincoln-Reagan dinner is a annual love fest where the conservatives, now officially a dirty word, gather under the auspices of the state party, that would be the Republican Party, and they rent a ballroom, and it's like 250 or 500 bucks they had because they're raising money for conservative causes. They get everybody in this beautiful gala event, and they bring in some kind of a speaker, whoever it might be, and they celebrate the American empire and its maintenance. We all dress up nicely. The last time I went, I had a horrifying panic attack because I was surrounded by assholes, and that makes me panic. So Lincoln-Reagan dinner, let us not believe any more from this day forward that there is a bit of difference between conservative and liberal because the outcome is what I'm tracking. And what is the outcome of their work? $34 trillion of debt, an open wound of a border, and an endless war. Thank you, liberals and conservatives. You're doing a fantastic job. And it is time for you all to be replaced by a country that self-governs. Please continue. I mean, that's that's a stupidity. God, the, the ongoing stupidity of the House
4: Republicans on every front. And no, we're going to add Ukraine to the list. They are literally willing to let Putin take over Ukraine. They just don't care. They've dug in. They've decided they're not going to support Ukraine. They're not going to support a safer border.
3: If it's bad for Donald Trump, they're against it. That's their guiding principle. It's just true.
1: But Stop it again. Willie Geist. Willie Geist, his father, was a very famous journalist. Willie. Willie Geist. <laughs> Willie Geist got that kind of Americana face. It looks so honest. Full of shit. It is not about what's good for Trump. It's got nothing to do with President Trump. It's got to do with my children. I don't want them to die in a nuclear holocaust because my government is filling in for the British in a war that's been going on since 1805. We got divorced from these people because they're out of their friggin' minds. We set up a new country to get away from them, but they followed us here. And it's time for us to redeclare our independence from the European business model. Let's finish this horror. What's good for America? is bad for Donald Trump.
4: Think about this. Republicans have come to the conclusion and Donald Trump has come to the conclusion and saying, I want the stock market to crash. I want there to be a great depression. I want Joe Biden to be Herbert Hoover. I want the border to remain open. I want fentanyl to be flooding across the border for the next eight months so I can run against it. I want illegal immigrants flooding in, continuing to flood in over the next eight months so I can run against it. Republicans now have put themselves in a position where what's good for America is bad for Donald Trump. And that's all you need to know about that campaign and this Republican Party.
5: Well, every American is affected by a border out of control the way it is right now. And Senator James Lankford tried to put forward a serious policy proposal. We just played on repeat, the New York City cops getting beaten Yep. by men who should not
2: have I'll been in turn the country this
1: off. I can't take it anymore. These people when they speak when you see their lips moving, they're lying. they're lying. when they're talking, they're lying. Senator James Langford is a ardent supporter of life. This woman would spit in Senator James Langford's face. but now he's a hero. These people will say and do anything to accomplish their mission. Climate change, social equity, and democracy. That's their scam. They'll use anything to get there. Well, so will I, okay? I'm the anti-climate change, social, social equity, and democracy, Professor Penn. And here's a couple of things that, that came up. These people are going, oh, Donald Trump says this, Donald Trump... These people say Donald Trump is a clown, a clown, to be disregarded as a fool. But they're hanging on every word he says as if it's the truth. Which is it, Morning Joel? Is he a clown? Or do we have to pay attention to everything he says, jot and tittle? Because I'm going to tell you what Donald Trump is doing. He's triggering the living hell out of you people. He's driving you crazy, and he knows exactly how to do it because you're making him very unhappy and he's saying right back at you. And that is, well, for lack of a better term, it's uh, spiritual combat. Spiritual combat, which is okay by me because this guy has gotten up every day and been hammered from morning till night. Now, I'm not here shilling for Trump. I'm just saying they're driving him crazy and he's driving them crazy and away we go, away we go. You can't have it both ways. You can't say he's a clown and then say everything he says is the truth. It just doesn't work that way. Pick a side of the football. I want to talk a little bit about economy before our time is up tonight. Because all these things are one thing. We break them down like mind, body, and spirit. We break our lives the mind, body, and spirit so we can study our mind study our spirit, study our body. But actually, it's just one thing. It's called me. And we have politics and we have economy. And we break our economy down and we look at how it works. We break our our politics down and look at how that works. But really, we have a political economy. It's one thing. Everything is related. And when the Fed, our Federal Reserve, going back to, oh, I don't know, about 2000 in Bush, right? We've been printing money and borrowing money and expanding the money supply. And what was keeping inflation at bay was this tsunami wave of low-cost product coming in primarily from China, which was offsetting the growing core inflation that is associated with an expanding money supply. And for all the leftists that say it's the greed of the corporations... No, it's the greed of the government you elected. They want the corporations to make money so that they can tax the corporate profits and pay for these wars. And you are paying for it at the grocery store. So keep voting for them, and they'll keep you dumb and keep you complaining and tweeting that you're tired of paying so much for eggs and milk instead of going to your local party and joining And self governing. You want to get over inflation? Self govern. It's very simple how to do it. We could do it in an election cycle if everybody just jump up, turn the Super Bowl off, and turn on the politics. That's what we're about here. That's why I'm asking you if you're in this community, please click the like button, leave a comment, repost, send out, go to freepeopleradio.com, go to the store, go to the store we'll do a quid pro quo you send us some money we'll send you a beautiful t-shirt or a coffee mug or something you can use in the kitchen and since we're talking about economy you know we're paying for this by being in the tire business and if you and we're going to talk about the tire business so as a intro to this if you are enjoying this content and you need tires go to tireget.com t i r e g e t.com it's the right price. We'll do your service. It's everything you need for tires. So please remember TireGet when you need tires. And here is a little ad to help you remember TireGet, T I R E G E T dot com. Tireget is here for the movement and for all the broadcasters and channels and stations that are presenting this content for you. TireGet is an online e-commerce platform where you can buy your tires. Now, everybody buys tires, or most of us buy tires. There's everything there that you need for your vehicles. All kinds of different brands, premium major brands, premium private label brands, every kind of tire. You go there, you pick your tire. We will ship the tires to the installer right by your house at no extra charge. You pay TireGet to have your tires installed. It's a one-stop shop for everything you need in tires and the best customer service in the tire business. So the next time you buy tires, think of Target. you got to buy your tires from someone. Please buy them from us. Okay, welcome back. Welcome back. We're talking about China. And this deflationary force, which has gone on for 20 years, which has masked the growing money supply. And then suddenly we had what was called the uh, Inflation Reduction Act because that was a scam. It was actually the Inflation Creation Act. And our government created a bill that passed both houses of Congress because they love to spend money. And President Biden signed it and they dumped hundreds of billions of dollars into the economy really after the COVID crisis had passed. And this has triggered this inflation that we're suffering, which is still going on, but is now masked by a collapse of logistic pricing, bringing down the price of hard goods, making the basket with which they analyze inflation, seem not so inflationary. The Fed is kind of like the house in a casino. The Fed is controlling the game. So when the Fed raises the interest rate really high, well, first thing it does is it wipes out all the small business, which eliminates the downward price pressure, which allows these greedy corporations to really be greedy. That's another, another podcast. But when the Fed raises that interest rate up and and you and I can't afford to go down to the big box store and just willy-nilly buy stuff that's mostly made by Chinese companies, the Chinese companies don't sell out. Then they have to start to lower their prices. Then they have to start to lay off their people in China. So what is happening in China is a huge deflationary wave is forming, which is the result of less consumer spending here in the United States. And what does that deflationary wave do? Well, one thing it does is it masks the inflation which is going on in our society, which allows the Biden administration to go on television and say, oh, we're geniuses. They're not geniuses. They're playing a currency war. They're winning the currency war because they're still on the top of the hill. They're damaging the Chinese economy, which the Chinese are going to take countermeasures. They're just going to lower the price and flood our shores with lower-cost goods. And what does that do? More businesses will close, and more American workers are going to lose their jobs. And this sparks trade conflict, trade conflict. And this is something I know something about because I'm in the game, as you know. Uh, could you play number five, please? Number
6: five trading partners signaling a changing dynamic within the global economy the shift reflects the increasing tensions and deteriorating relations between Washington and Beijing. So I want to bring in Leda Maiden. She's an investing uh, correspondent for at Insider. Uh, Leila, really good to have you here. So I'm Canadian. And one of our things we used to always sort of brag about is we used to say, well, we're America's number one trading partner. Clearly that went out the window a long time ago. Um, So not only is Canada no longer the number one trading partner, neither is China. How significant is it that Mexico has replaced both, both those countries?
5: Funny fact, I'm Canadian too, and I remember that bragging myself. Um, But it is significant in the sense that, well, you know, some of the uh, commodities and products traded between Canada and China I mean, uh, Canada and the US versus the US and Mexico differ a little, but it's substantial in the sense that uh, the border between the US and Mexico, there's a lot of manufacturing partnerships there that keep uh, about 5 million US jobs in, in the country. And so it's not just about the trade relationship between Mexico and the US, but it's also about the manufacturing partnerships. There's a deal that shows that anywhere between 70 to 75% of products that are, or parts manufactured in the US taken into Mexico uh, in the assembly line uh, have no tariffs on them. And so that relationship runs deep, especially in the areas like um, the automotive industry or uh, electronic parts.
6: So, and as, as I understand it, though the sh- the shift has been rapid the seeds were planted years ago so i have a two fold question like what are the factors that have led to this and did the pandemic accelerate it
5: yes absolutely well in 2018 we saw uh tariffs being increased uh, on china till this day about 66 66- percent of Chinese exports into the U.S. are subject to tariffs of as high as 19 19 percent. Mm. China retaliated and put tariffs on the U.S. Um, uh, for as high as 21 uh, percent. So you're looking at really sky-high tariffs. These are double the amount of tariffs that countries, part of the World Trade Organization's pay. The average tariff internationally is at 9 percent. So when those tariffs went sky high, of course, that's going to be a natural sort of free market force moving to where tariffs are going to be lower. But then, you know, China had the toughest lockdown policies during COVID, which really halted its manufacturing sector and supply chain issues. So, you know, this has been a long time coming.
6: Um, And I I, I can't find the word sort of, it's sort of a new word uh, in regards to supply chains and trying to keep them closer rather than further away and that was something that the pandemic sort of brought to light so i want to ask you if this is a shift that we're seeing you know beyond the u.s we're seeing maybe a shift globally
5: yeah, it's nearshoring. So there when you're you sort of trading with a country closer to you and you know, did the pandemic do some of this? Yes, it did when we saw issues with supply chains, you know, ships going across the world to ship things, but also it's the Amazon Prime effect. It's called the Amazon Prime effect because, you know, as we start to order things online, we want things sometimes shipped the same day or next day. And so When it comes to things um, like electronics and bigger products, it's a lot easier to just trade with a country closer to you. And also we think about climate change as well. Um, When you're not using all that fuel and those ships going across the world to deliver all these goods and services, it is a lot uh, more efficient and quicker.
6: Mm -hmm. Uh, Layla, great talking to you. Also great talking to a fellow Canadian.
1: I remember uh, many years ago, uh, there was a very famous tire recall of uh, Firestone ATX tires that were on Ford Explorer, Explorers. It was a big deal. It was in, I think it was in the early 2000s. And I, I watched the Senate committee on you know th- these kind of affairs. I don't remember what committee it was. And I watched the senators asking questions of the rubber company executives as regards this matter, this recall. And I thought to myself, these dummies are asking really uninformed questions about a relatively harmless problem. These same people sit on the committees that oversee nuclear proliferation. These people are not too smart. They're good at getting elected. Some of them are smart. Some of them are policy wonks. But mostly, they're media personalities. And we elect these people because we don't care. And we have people in our media, like these two people, that really don't know anything about what they're speaking of. And this woman went to great lengths to avoid the word Trump. Trump, in 2018, imposed a 25% border tax on about 70 or 80% of the goods that come in from China. When this woman said 19%, she was taking an average of the whole import. But actually, a very large percentage of the product has 10. a, a even bigger percentage has 25. And then there's something called anti-dumping, which is a specific trade rem- remedy on a specific product, which can range up to several hundred percent. Or what we would say is a trade-ending tax. So the whole China-U.S. trade is highly contentious. It was Trump that started it, and then she started to say, oh, the near-shoring, the near the friendshoring." shoring it was because of COVID. Another lie. This person never imported anything in her life. She just buys imports. The reason there's near-shoring and friendshoring shoring is because trade has a new input. That's government intervention. And if the government is going to intervene and tax your products, you have to have some nearby manufacturing to offset the trade risk associated with government intervention. And within the tire business, this is something that is very powerful. And this whole piece was about Mexico is now the largest trading partner surpassing China. As if Mexico, Mexico has got some great forward-going development. It does, and guess what it is? It's Chinese companies going into Mexico. Now, I know this because I'm in the tire business. There are already two large Chinese factories, tire factories, that have announced they're going into Mexico right now. It takes them about a year to build these manufacturing workshops. A Chinese carbon black manufacturer has announced they're going in. Carbon black is a component that goes in tires. A mold manufacturer has announced they're going to Mexico. They're moving a tire manufacturing strategy into Mexico to get ready and close access to the U.S. market. That's not all bad. But to say that it's because of Biden's trade policy He had nothing to do with it. Actually, what President Biden is doing is he's lowering taxes on China. I mean, I know this. I'm talking about the tire business. He just lowered the tax on Chinese companies producing tires in Thailand, where they went to avoid the tax in China. They moved down to Thailand. They were taxed at 17.05%. It's called anti-dumping. The Biden administration just lowered that to 4.95%. I don't know why. It just, well, that's not true. I do know why. Did you hear all those people talking about it's just politics, Trump and his minions? They don't really care about the American people. It's just politics, politics, politics. What they're doing is they're lowering these border taxes to make inflation look as if it's gone away. We have a 25% border tax on over half of the products that are manufactured in China and brought into the United States. It's still $600, $700 billion a year worth of products, right? What I'm afraid of and what I think what the Biden administration is contemplating in the run-up to the 2024 election is the removal of that 25% because then it's going to look like there's no inflation for several months. And they're accusing Trump of being purely political. Isn't that interesting? I guess you have to be one to know one. Or what do they say? That's the coffee pot calling the kettle black? Or however you want to think about it. But that's all political. No one is thinking about me. What happens to my business and my family when there is no boundary, spiritual boundary, protecting the American citizens? I tried many years to limit and reduce the amount of Chinese product that I was buying. I did it very consistently. I've been very vocal about it. And I'm on the verge of bankruptcy because of it. We cannot succeed in the supply chain without being a vassal, a vassal, paying tribute and homage to the economic master of China. We just can't make it. They have succeeded in penetrating our supply chains so holistically, so thoroughly, that you can't stay in business unless you're part of it. So you have to make a decision. Do I want to die on this hill, or do I want to live to fight another day? And this is where we're living today. We're living at at a moment where if President Biden removes these taxes, which he's doing, I'm watching him do it in the tire business, and I'm watching the Chinese move into Mexico In all industries, not just the tire business, all industries. In fact, if you look at the relationship between the Mexican peso and the U.S. dollar, the peso devalued nonstop from 2009 till 2020 at the time of the last election. Since 2020, it's been gaining value. And why is that? Because Chinese companies are moving into Mexico and they have to buy pesos to pay in pesos to develop in pesos. I know this is a little complicated. They need pesos. There's less pesos available because the Chinese are buying them up to run their businesses. So the peso is gaining value against the dollar. It's not that Mexico's changed. It's in a, you know, in terms of being Mexico, it's changed in that... It's opened its gate, its door, to the investment of Chinese factories. And why are they doing it? Well, first of all, AMLO, who's the president of Mexico, is a Marxist. So that works well, right? They see things very similarly. But he's a Mexican Marxist. He wants jobs for the Mexican people. He knows that if there's employment for Mexican people, there'll be less crime, that gains will be more broad-based. And the gringos aren't coming down there and doing anything. So he's letting the Chinese take a whack at it. So the Chinese are going into Mexico right on our border, right on our border, and establishing a Chinese manufacturing base from where and from which they will continue to undermine U.S. companies attempting to manufacture in the U.S. And what does that mean to me? It means that my fellow citizens are going to lose their jobs. And when they lose their jobs, they will become no longer able to self-govern. They will become dependent on the state. And when we have Democrat governance, that's okay. That's the difference between the two polarities. I don't want to call them conservatives and, 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 and uh, liberals anymore. I'm just going to call them globalists and nationalists. The nationalists want a nation state. They could be Marxist nationalists. They could be conservative nationalists, but they believe in borders, spiritual and physical. They believe in having an economy that's domestic. They have a border or a spiritual limit to how wealthy people might aspire to be. They want to create a sense of American community. Now, we're going to fight it out amongst ourselves. Is this going to be a God-fearing community or a statist community? That's a really good argument to have. That's what we're doing now. We're, we're sorting that out. But we're getting to the point that we understand that there's globalists and nationalists. And if we haven't reached that point, if we're not there yet, we need to spread out the podcast. We need to get people understanding that our politics is changing away from red and blue, Democrat and Republican, conservative and liberal. These terms no longer apply. It's globalist and nationalist. That is the predominant cleave or border in our politics. So I you know, you can see them instantly. Globalist. Globalist. Nationalist. Let's get that sorted out first, and then we can move on to what kind of nationalist we want to have if we succeed in walking ourselves back from this globalist governance that the dirty dozen, the Princetons and the Harvards and the Yales and the Columbias and the Stanfords, those PhDs that believe in global governance where they're the technocratic masters, and it's such a small group of them. They're not even 1% of our population, but because they show up to govern, they rule over us and turn us into feudal serfs. And all I have to do is go to my caucus on February 27th in Minnesota, for example, same thing exists wherever you live in some way, shape, or form. All you got to do is self-govern. And if enough of us is self-govern, these people have no power because we still live in a republic where people have a political voice. The reason we're getting our ass handed to, to us is we're more concerned about do we want sausage or pepperoni on our pizza. That's how we're self-governing. And as long as we do that, as long as our primary concern is, are we going to have sausage or pepperoni on our, oh gosh, we could have both, a meat lover's pizza. As long as that is what our concern is, they're just going to take all our rights and freedoms away and rule us and turn us into inventory and profit from our demise. Because they don't care if we have well-being. They only care that we fuel Machine. We're just fuel for the machine. I am not fuel for the machine. I am a self-governing, sentient individual, a human being that lives and loves. And these people can go bite a hog in the ass. I grew up with them, I went to school with them, and I'm gonna tell you, they are full of themselves. They suck. They believe things that are not true because they've been brainwashed at the highest level. They couldn't do anything real if their life depended on it. They are not real people. And that's why we live in an unreal country. An unreal country where 100 million plus people sit down and gather for our highest level of sacrament and ritual, the Super Bowl. That's how we get together not for a religious reason, not for a patriotic reason, but to watch a bunch of grown men run around and smash into each other at high speed to see who gets the Lombardi Trophy. I'm not saying football is bad, and I certainly enjoy sports. I'm just saying that's the highest ritual in our country, and that is depressing in the extreme. And just to show you, Because they're talking about, oh, nearshoring, nearshoring, how there's going to be less supply chain, less, you know, less boats. Play number six, because I want you to see really what's going on, what globalization in a globalized economy really looks like. Take a look at this. Look at the bloodstream of our world. For those of you who are listening, this is a visual of all the boats that are on the water right now, internationally, and all their ports of call. Look at this is all the products that are moving around the world. Raw materials, finished goods, oil, the militaries. Look at all this sea traffic. You're looking at globalization. You're looking at the evil right here. You're looking at the food movement around the world. Do you think we control our future when the food's on these boats or the energy's on these boats? Look at the volume of trade. and This is prosperity. This is what our government is all about. Protecting these sea lanes. This is what we're doing. This is who we are. This is what we're paying for. And He who liveth by the sword we'll die by the sword. Because one day, this is going to end. And we'll either be able to grow our own food, or we won't. We'll either be able to protect our families, or we won't. We'll either be able to make shelter for ourselves, or we will not. And if we don't, we shall die. This is what our dependency is. We are dependent on the oldest globalized steamship companies. This is piracy. These companies, are the pirates of yesteryear who have grown their businesses up over hundreds of years, taking away my freedom, but they didn't really take it away. I gave it to them for the benefit of material goods and safety. So we've traded our freedom for materialism and safety, and one day, they're going to yank up on the dog collar, and I will find myself a slave. But we still have hope We still have a chance to attenuate this by self-governing. So I urge you all to spread out the content, leave comments, join me on X, come on X. Some of you are doing it, you're reposting, thank you. That's how we build a political community, by working together, not left and right, but as American citizens united in one idea, the well-being of the American citizen. And on that note, I want to thank you for joining. I'll see you soon again on Thursday night. Be well.